Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. My name is Trevor Sycamore. With me is Benjamin Solak. Who thinks that lamb is the best meat? Did I catch you off guard there? Not really. Like, I'm okay with it. Ben and I were talking before the podcast, and he just said kind of like out loud, like, wow, lamb is the best meat. And well, I, was I, was eating, I, was I don't eating know if I agree with you. From I don't know if I agree with you. I like lamb. Lamb's good. Listen, when, I think at any time that I'm eating and enjoying something, I will claim that that thing is the best thing of the category into which it falls. Oh, okay. So I like, now that I have, you know, like the taste of lamb is still in my mouth. Lamb's probably still the best food, <laughs> like, you know, meat that there is. Like, ask me in an hour. I'll okay. be eating bacon. I'll be bacon. No, I'm gonna ask you. I'm gonna ask you. I'm gonna ask you at the end of the podcast if lamb's still the best okay. meat, and then and then we'll you know. we'll be able to see Ben. In between confirming whether or not lamb is the best meat, we have college football to analyze. Real, authentic, all American. Well, that might not be true. Might not all be American. Football. Okay, I followed. I think. Okay, good. We're going to start yeah. off with Miami and UF. Um, UF won the game. As we always, yeah. as we always no. knew. There was never, never a doubt. doubt, dude. Never. Not even close. Okay, there are three very important moments to this game. Okay, let's hear them. Let's hear them. Okay. Because I will probably agree with you and have hashtag opinions on okay. them. So, um, <laughs> okay, so from like three up right from three to two to one Mm -hmm. Uh, in ascending order if you will yes okay number three jabari zaniga against the freshman left tackle for miami didn't go well every time florida needed a play like hey what if we uh what if we took jabari zaniga and put him against the freshman who can't get off the ball on time what if we did that (laughs) somebody that would go so before we want to put it if we want to put on a more general like look of like things that are hilarious the Miami Hurricanes had, and I do not exaggerate, 97 pre-snap penalties in the first half. Jeez, on, man. Listen, I get it. Redshirt freshman, mostly freshman, uh, quarterback, mostly freshman offensive line, first yeah, year head coach. Right. But the team could not line up. I mean, Dude, there, were, did, there they, were even a couple of false start penalties that were bad. Players. There were a couple of, sparks, a couple of false start penalties blah, 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 that were bad that they didn't even call. Yes. Dude, it was... On, and, and the thing is, like, you know, you always have those offensive tackles, you know, like, like firing out of those snaps, stance a little bit early. That's one thing. But, yeah, the dude was, like, sitting in the kick slide by the time the ball was snapped. It's just – it's it was, it was it was so many freshmen playing like so many freshmen play. And that's just, you know, that that's just how that goes. That's number three. Hold on. They want to – I want to comment on this. They went into the game, and they were showing the depth chart, you know, like going through the, the opening roster or whatever, and they are like, oh, Zion Nelson, you know, they, they really like this kid. They really like this left tackle. They think he's the future, all this kinds of stuff. And I was like, great. Miami's going to come out and have this, like, sleeper young offensive lineman who's going to absolutely stonewall Jackson – every edge player that we have and then um yeah then zuniga ate his lunch yeah well that's the thing about being the future is it means you're not present so you hate to see it uh number two the new turnover chain and touchdown rings which are as garish as anticipated yeah. are as cringeworthy to watch after two seconds on the, the the broadcast i will say and i said it on the internet 
Miami's turnover changed just a Horcrux for Pitbull. All right, that's how come he's still alive. That's how come he looks like Baltimore, and he hasn't aged at all. Jeez. It's just that's – listen, if you were to stab that thing with a basilisk fang, Pitbull would die. I'm just, that's, <laughs> that's just the reality. This is how it works. Miami, 305, Dale. Number one. Mr. Worldwide. The number one most important thing that happened to me on Florida, Miami. Oh, my God. Was when Felipe France oh my God. scored a touchdown. Oh, Proceeded to scream God. into the sideline camera. I do this, so stop playing with me. And then immediately, <laughs> immediately throw a nearly game-losing <laughs> He's so bad, I miss, man. I miss this He's sport so bad. So much. Florida had three defensive pass interference penalties. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you so much. <laughs> I, I hate you. I've seen two teams try so hard to lose a game in my So world. hard to lose. So oh, hard, dude. Was, Felipe, no, I went into but, this year, man. So, like, Felipe was trash last year. And there's like there's a reason why his own fans booed him, and it's not just because Gator fans are the worst, which sometimes they can be. No, to Gator fan, I'm allowed to say this. It's not just because they're the worst. It's because Felipe was actually bad. He was. People often forget this. So I think Mullen did a really good job last year of kind of masking a lot of the reasons why Felipe struggles. And he'll hit a big pass every now and then because he's got a big arm, but then it's all the intermediate and it's the in-between stuff, the stuff that should be easy, the stuff that you build a game plan around that this dude just cannot do. And so that's why there's been so much criticism for Felipe Franks and also because it doesn't really seem like he's been progressing a ton. This offseason, we were told, hey, Felipe, you know, he's much more matured. He's not he's not focusing on what people are saying about him anymore. He's just worried about being the best quarterback that he could be. And the second he has a chance to go back to the old me, he looks straight into the camera on national television and tells them, this is what I do. I, I do this, so stop playing with me. And then he proceeded to throw an interception to three Miami defenders, and it was just a chef kiss. Oh, this, oh, this was it. This was it. He did that. The god of college football, who, let's be honest, is a mean son of a gun. The moment he looked in that camera, I think he just gets bored on, on Saturday. Impish little god's face of like, I'm about to up the Florida Gators <laughs> for the next whole quarter. But here's my joke. Here's here's the bet. Marco Wilson, MVP of the game. Why? I, I saw that it. Defense, I saw it, yeah. That defensive pass interference that kept Miami on the field also kept Felipe Franks off the field. I don't know. Critical judgment play that he made on 4th and 34. You know. To, to ensure that the, the Gators win the game. There were, there were five fumbles in this game. And I, honest to God, could not tell you which one pissed me off more. Was it the one when Florida was up 7-3 to three when they were about to run it in the end zone easily and go up 14-3 to three and the game was over? Could have been that one. Was it the one that Felipe oddly tossed to Malik Davis who then just juggled it around, fumbled it, then got it, gained possession again? No, he didn't. He didn't listen, you listen, all right, you listen to me, you listen to me right now, Solak, all right? Malik Davis had possession of that football. Now, he did not have it long. And I totally understand why they wouldn't say that he didn't have possession. 
but he had that football completely gripped in his forearm and hands and was on the ground. No. Yes. Not even a little bit. Yes. The, the, what are you talking say, about? To say, to say that he had possession but he didn't have it long implies he did not have possession. Possession. I'm by talking about him time. having possession of the football, not necessarily the rule of possession. What did you just say to me? I said I'm talking about actual possession of the football, not like the rule of what possession is. Okay, well I'm here to discuss the rule of possession. Okay, well I'm I'm over here setting up absolute truths. Hey, yeah, Malik had possession and a fake kick in the first game of college football 2019. <laughs> And then there were obviously, so the, the three other fumbles that I'm talking about were all three fumbles on the very last drive that Florida was able to jump on exactly zero of them. And I was just sitting there screaming at my television. Actually, I don't even think I was screaming at my television at all that game. I was just sitting there like, this is the most peak Florida-Miami game I've ever seen in my life. It was dirty, man. I mean, talk about the swamp. Like, it was absolutely filthy okay let's now i can't I, yes. I can't believe i forgot this in my top three moments yes we had a fake punt and a fake kick in the same football game we did indeed and I'm, I'm watching so i'm watching this with my my fiance who does not watch football at all and she goes she looks at me she goes is this normal and i was like i can't even express to you how not normal this is i can't even express to you the fact that we've got a a long hair punter wearing 43 taking the first punt of the year and tommy townsend baby we got we got Miami with 95 insane backfield athletes. All they have are athletes at skill position running a fake to a guy named Bubba Baxa, who is not as large as he sounds like he would be. Bubba Baxa is a big boy name. He's not a big boy. Um, and so we have multiple fake punts. We, and let's, and let, let, let's, lest we forget, because this is an important note, two of these fumbles that you bring up were both on option exchanges, which is what you do. <laughs> When your quarterback is bad, right? If you run the option, and Felipe Franks fumbled multiple option plays. Now, next worst thing that happened in this game, nobody knew how to tackle at all. And it was amazing because when your quarterbacks suck and, and you can't throw down the field and you can't run the option, well, so the defense can't tackle, all you got to do is throw really bad screen passes that aren't actually blocked the way they're supposed to be. And don't worry, C.J. Henderson will miss literally every tackle that comes to his half of the field, and Miami will score points that way. The Kadarius Tony touchdown, the, the 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 big DJ Dallas run, one of Brevin Jordan's touchdowns, no one have any interest in tackling anybody. Amazing to watch. Artistry embodied. Let's talk about some actual scouting things from this game. Okay. Other than the ridiculous net is college football. And if you guys are listening to this podcast for the first time, that's what Ben are gonna Ben and I are gonna do for most of college football recap podcasts. We're gonna freak out about stuff. And then we're gonna actually talk about some scouting, too. We'll give you the best of both worlds. Um you want to talk about Zuniga first? Zuniga looked awesome. Yes. I thought Zuniga looked thing. fantastic. When he got off the right. ball, and that was the big thing for me. Um, I, I can't remember exactly what, it, what his, his hang-up for you might have been or that for him kind of reaching his potential or whatever you thought he could be. But for me, it was always getting off the snap. And he looked a lot better consistently at getting off the snap. And then even when he had the chance to, I thought he anticipated it well and almost you know, predicted when the snap count was coming, really was able to fly off on a couple of plays and look, you know, nearly unblockable. I know that he was going up against some young offensive tackles, but was really impressed by this first game from Zuniga. I hope it's a building block for him. I hope this is a consistent thing because, man, he was disruptive last Saturday. 
Yes, I agree. Now, I, I will say, if you ask me before the game, hey, Zanigo's going up against a freshman left tackle, what should he do? I said, dominate. So he did what he should do, right? Sure. So, you know, there were a couple of players in this game who I thought did, did more than what was built for them, more than what was expected, and we can discuss those players. However, for, yeah, so Zaniga did what I expected him to do. That was still dominant. We don't want to take away from that. Zaniga has the, the unfortunate role of being an interior guy on early downs and an outside guy on, on, on or actually, I misspoke, an outside guy. Let me take this again. Okay, I'll let you start over. Thank you. I appreciate that. Zaniga has the unfortunate role of being an outside guy on early downs, and then when it's a long and late down, Florida wants to bring in a ton of pass rushers, and they kick him inside. And as a result, a lot of his outside reps, which is where he'll play in the NFL, uh, he's he's, he's very frequently run defending at the first and ten and second and seven or whatnot. And then on those those third and fives, third and six, when you expect the pass, Zuniga's rushing uh, against a guard, which is not how you anticipate him being used at the next level. Now, like I said, eventually, I think they had a little bit of injury they were dealing with there in the fourth quarter. And then, obviously, like, you know, kind of burning out the last few plays of the fourth quarter, getting your best players in the best spots. They love Zuniga with that left tackle, and he ate. Um, but Zuniga might be a player who we see limited reps for in terms of regular outside pass rushes across the course of several games, just because of how Florida deploys them. yeah. I'm kind of okay with that, though. Like, I see a lot of inside versatility with Zuniga. And I see a lot of teams in the NFL, you know, if we're going to an NFL draft angle, on, like you said, almost, you know, obvious passing down situations, do that a lot more. Play their bigger defensive ends, guys that they know can handle it, more at three techs or more inside and get more speed guys and have more of a an arsenal to go up against certain edge players with a little bit more speed on the outside when you could fit a guy like Zuniga, who I think has the size, the frame, and the strength to be able to move inside, also give you speed elements. I, I like that. That's the versatility that I like. You and I talk a lot about it in this podcast, and I think I'm a little bit more hesitant on it than you sometimes are. Just, I think, out of coincidence. I don't know if it's out of coincidence or maybe even preference, but I'm always worried when guys are in, in the middle with versatility if it comes to, like, oh, well, you know, if he's... I, tweener is, is something that, that worries me, right? Because you look at, like, maybe Solomon sure. Thomas, right? So, like, Solomon Thomas is a guy who I really liked, and I kind of fell for his tape, and I was like, oh, my God, this guy wins like a three-tech does. And then a lot of people said, okay, but he's not three-tech size. And I was just convinced myself. I was like, no, 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 He'll be fine. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. And he has been since. And there have been some reasons for that. I'm excited to see him this year. hope he definitely bounces back and has a position that he likes. But there's always those guys who are in between positions who you could sometimes confuse, hey, versatility is good with, oh, shoot, you're just not effective at both. Zuniga is a guy who I think can be a traditional 4-3 defensive end has the speed and the bend and a little bit of a rare flexibility to play as a 4-3 defensive end, but also kick inside and still have the strength and a little bit of agility to him too there on the interior to play that way as well. I think it, I think it's a bonus for Zuniga, whereas I'm worried about it with some other people, but him, I'm not really. Right, for sure. I I, I, mean, I, I think he's such a, uh, a good prototype for an outside edge rush role that I'd like to just see him there as much as possible. But, you know, you're going to use your, your best players the way that you best can. Part of the reason why Zanigo kicks inside is because they have, like I said, a, a good stable of edge rushers, not least among which Jonathan Greenard. Grenard. 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 Yeah. Grenard. This Louisville transfer who was productive for Louisville in 2017. Yeah. 2018 loses the season to a wrist injury, graduates and comes to Florida. Man, that's not – he's got something for sure. That's not just, you know, a fifth year, sixth year guy knowing what he's doing. No, you saw good hand usage, good get off and bend. Like there's clearly pieces here that we can work with. So, you know, we've extensively, exhaustively covered the preseason and we know who to look at and whatnot. Grenard is a pleasant surprise, and yes. it's nice to, to experience surprises 
uh, you know, now this is what is fun about live football is we don't really know what's going to happen. Um, the, yeah, so Florida, my big positive guy, my big takeaway was definitely Zaniga. Mm-hmm. If we go to Miami, the guy with whom I was most impressed was Trajan Bandy, uh, the corner that they have. There's a 5'9", 190 player. We did not talk about him during the uh, the corner week when we were uh, rolling through the teams. But Bandy is a player that's got some fans on our staff, namely Joe Marino, who's an ACC guy, uh, likes Bandy a fair uh-huh. bit. Bandy, the only returning starter in the defensive backfield for the Hurricane, a, a true junior. Like I said, a, a 5'9", 190 player. He likely projects to the nickel at the NFL level, but plays on the outside for them, plays with a ton of physicality, great competitiveness. I thought he located the ball quickly, and then as a nickel defender, you have to be effective in short zones. Bandy was really strong in short zones. You know, Florida wanted to hit those flat routes, the, that, that spot concept, get in the back out of the backfield very frequently, and they tried to hit it in, in a lot of uh, late and short down situations. Bandy was, sniffed it out quite was, quickly. Was, He's was, like a good zone player. Was he the guy who laid the lick on, uh, who was yeah. it, LaMichael? LaMichael Pirine out of the, yeah. yeah. He he played that really well because he baited Felipe. He made Felipe think that he wasn't in that area, and then he came right to it. And so, no, it was good. It was a good move. The guy yeah, that I, so I, I was yeah. impressed with him, especially when you consider the fact that, like, on the opposite side of the field, you have C.J. Henderson, big touted junior corner for Florida, who just really struggled to play with physicality uh, uh, throughout the course of the game. Bandy bringing a very admirable level of physicality, being an undersized corner. He's he's tightly wound. He's just a shorter dude. I thought that I was very impressed with what I, what I saw from Bandy, especially in juxtaposition to what you were getting from Henderson. Um, by the way, I'm looking at this now. feel like we need to note it. Miami has two players named Bubba. Bubba Baxa and then Bubba Bolden, who is a strong safety. Yeah, uh, transfer to USC, Bubba Bolden was. Okay, there you go. So that's probably a... So in the uh, Bubba rankings, Miami is a strong first. Yeah, I was going to say, they've got to be number one in the country with uh, Bubba rankings. Yeah. My guy that I was super impressed with was Jeff Thomas. Uh, I-, I knew that Jeff yeah. Thomas was good going into the game, but it's always nice being reminded. You know, like Jeff Thomas was fantastic, I thought. His speed showed up constantly. I also think he's a. I also think he's got some great hands to him. I mean... I know he dropped a punt, but, you know, I think that in similar situations, Jeff Thomas is a really good wide receiver. This is a guy who I think has inside-outside versatility to him. I think he's good with his routes, and I think he's fantastic after the catch. But the other guy, I'd be remiss if we didn't mention him because I'm not sure if you were going to bring him up. But DJ Dallas, the running back, made it look like nobody on Florida had practiced a single tackle all summer and some of that's probably to florida we're going to talk about one guy in specific here in a second but credit to dallas man he ran hard he ran with a purpose he did not want to go down and he showed some scoot to him to quote benjamin solak you know this dude can scoot a little bit for a bigger for a bigger guy and it's it's always nice when you see players who have a lot of power who like taking contact who have that balance to stay up and get yards after the catch and then give you a little breakaway speed too so i was really impressed with dj dallas he's a guy who i've known about for a little bit here but him getting you know with it being his show now in miami i was very interested to see how he handled it and i thought he handled it really well i thought whether it was in the past game or getting the ball out of the backfield he handled his workload really well Right, so we have a wide receiver to running back transfer in DJ Dallas. Mm-hmm. This is his second year playing the position, only moved to the position because of a Mark Walton injury back in 2017, 2017. Uh, Dallas, and you see the wide receiver background, and I think he runs upright. I think he doesn't uh, 
yet really nobody's looking at between the tackles. But in terms of an in-space player, and I brought up the screen pass that was thrown to him on which he was highly productive, this is a guy who's really, really great in the second or third level. Uh, you could operate him into space as somewhere in between running back and wide receiver, some sort of a gadgety dude. This is where we're going to be the most uh, effective with Dallas right now in the immediate profile for the Hurricanes. From an NFL draft perspective, you did see the most productive running back reps, traditional behind center, you know, in shotgun next to the quarterback, reading through blocks, getting upfield between the tackles. We saw the best traditional runner we've ever seen uh, from DJ Dallas this past year. Uh, I guess compared to 2018 tape, I should say. So absolutely, like Dallas was one of those guys, and there are many in the summer that you star and you say, all right, like, you know, let's let's see how the change affects him because he could be good if he's good. You know, he could be good if, if this change worked for him, if they did it right. And for DJ Dallas, early returns obviously are, are quite promising. He's going to continue to be a huge, huge part of that team for as long as, as they're starting Jaron Williams. Uh, they, they, they need Dallas out of the backfield to be hugely productive. And then also, Williams needs those short targets badly. And so Dallas is going to be a, a big part of it, a big part of the, the program there. So we should see a lot of reps for him. I loved Miami's offensive game plan. I thought it was Dan Enos. Yeah. I thought it. I thought Enos had a fantastic game plan, man. For what they, the situation that they were putting Jaron Williams in, getting the ball out of his hands quick, having the offense line up in one situation and before the snap, almost like five guys switched where they were, confusing the defense, let him read what kind of coverage it is pre-snap really easily, having those security blanket routes. I mean. I was super impressed with how Miami handled that game. And honestly, like, seriously, it's not just because I'm a Florida fan. Florida should have beat the crap out of Miami. But I think Miami's coaches prepared their guys really well. And there were some turnovers. It was a wacky game all around, so that's probably why it was close as well. But I just want to say my hat was off to Miami's coaches. I thought they coached a fantastic game, and I thought they did pretty well. There's one guy in Florida that we have to talk about before we get to that next game, and that's C.J. Henderson. Henderson is in a situation right now as the number one corner at Florida where a lot of people had him locked in their first round as as, as a corner who was going to be very highly touted in those way too early mock drafts, early mock drafts in the season, all that kinds of stuff. Henderson, a little skinnier. I mean, he's about six foot, six one, but he's only about, yeah, I don't know, buck 90. That's probably what I would say. He's a skinnier guy, and he's got a lot of athleticism for the position. I think he plays it very fluidly. He's got great recovery speed, and he's got great straight-line speed. I think he's got some good feet, too. He knows how to break on the ball really well. But the area that I was worried about with Henderson, and when you talk about a first-round corner, you need to be able to tackle. and you be able to just play physical, period. Something. And my lord, Henderson did not want any part of the smoke on Saturday night. He didn't. Whether it was in run support whether it was getting physical with wide receivers before or after they got the ball, something. I mean, the dude looked like, I mean, he looked like last year's Greedy Williams, where you're just like, okay, this guy's got a lot of cover talent, but shoot, if he can't if he can't be physical at all in the run game or even in the pass game, what am I going to do with him? So well, I, I was more apologetic to Greedy last year. Number one, I think Greedy's a better cover man right now. And number two, I think Greedy was more picky than he was just contact-averse, which Henderson just seems very contact-averse to me. But this is like this is a splitting hair situation in terms of the comparison you want to make. The moral of the story is, like, if you're C.J. Henderson, you're not the biggest dude from the jump. The question for you is, is going to be from NFL teams no matter when you come out, no matter what, how are you going to be able to handle NFL size? C.J. Henderson right now, we have a player who is five, uh, 6'1", 182. So a, a, a thinner dude who's lacking mass throughout. 
you need to get bigger at the college level, number one. And number two, you have to be able to play feisty. You have to be able to play tough if you're going to be playing sub 200. And this, this is where we are with Henderson. Like, it, it's just you can be able to do anything you want from a quickness, from a coverage perspective. You have to be elite out of the world to justify the, the play style that you have. And he's not. Mm-hmm. And so, right, like this, this was the main concern that I had with Henderson when we were doing summer scouting. I don't think it's really gone away. So I, I, there's a lot of people who are big on Henderson, but this game is a good example of, you know, coaches are going to hate the gaps in his game. Coaches specifically will hate the gaps in his game. That's going to be a problem for you. We got to get to the other game. And one guy in particular. Okay. How does one man throw for four touchdowns and nearly 400 yards and get benched? I'm, of course, talking about Cole McDonald, the quarterback from Hawaii. Uh, it's becoming a yearly All tradition year now at this point, like Hawaii as the opening late night game. And it's just basically like real Cole McDonald hours. And I like Cole McDonald. I, I went over his film during the summer. I think there's a ton of stuff to like about him. But, man, there's some stuff that holds him back. Uh, that throwing motion is still not great, man. And he will miss guys because of it. And I thought that a lot of those picks were just so ugly. And he ends up throwing four interceptions to match the four touchdowns. Ends up getting benched. And his backup comes in and and has, I think, back-to-back scoring drives, which ends up getting them in position to hold Arizona and win the game. So Hawaii did come out victorious. But, Ben, what do we do with Cole McDonald now? What do you think happens? What do you think goes from here with a guy who I think has got some NFL talent to him? But clearly he's, he's... running a system and his technique and a lot of that stuff is just it doesn't look like it's going to get fixed or modified a lot at least before he ends up becoming a prospect whenever that is so what do you think of Cole McDonald right now one week after we see him now when when Cole McDonald throws a football which happens many times there is no way of knowing if the pass is going to be good or not which is like this is bad news concerning concerning yeah I'm supposed to be able to tell you not only if a pass was good or not, but why it was good or not. And, like, if you just freeze-framed every McDonald throw at the moment he releases it, whatever his mechanics were, whatever the pressure was, whatever depth of target he's trying to hit, you'd be like, hey, Ben, is it going to be good or not? I'd be like, listen, do you have a you – know, just give me the revolver and the three bullets, you know what I mean? With 50-50, Russian roulette. Like, I can't tell you. I got no idea. It's unbelievable. It's just – it's it's – it's very humbling to watch him make just fantastic throws and then attempt the exact same throw the next drive and completely miss it. It's just like, what is happening? He's, he's unintelligible. Like, I, he's, he's, a, he's a mystery that I can't crack. I'll tell you right now, NFL teams are going to be terrified of him. They're not going to want to have to deal with what he potentially is going to be at all because his approach to quarterbacking is completely risk-prone. It's totally like... I'm here to score points. Like, I mean, I'm just going to chuck it. If it's an interception, I'm just going to come out next time and throw it again. Like, I mean, it's completely just reckless. And then from a mechanical perspective, I don't even know how you start fixing him. I don't even know what you do. But then, I mean, it's 40-yard drops in the buckets on seam routes. Like, what? Like, I, what, what, I don't want to take that away from him. I want him to keep doing that. It's not regular he can do that. Most college quarterbacks can't. So McDonald's a complete enigma. Just mm-hmm. an enigma wrapped in a blonde dreadlock riddle, right? Just what even in the name of God? It's a very good way to put it. Very good way to put it. After the first quarter, he was on pace for a 96 to 96 touchdown to interception ratio this year, which to me is the most. <laughs> After the first quarter, two touchdowns, two interceptions. They had four drives. There's no reason to punt. This is just stupid. And I mean, it was um, 
it, 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 I just like taking McDonald's seriously is hard because I just don't. There's there's too many gaps. There's too many significant holes and significant spots. But he is a fascinating case study, just in terms of how much he's going to continue to grow if he's going to mature in terms of play style. Now that he's getting benched at the end of wins, you know, um, uh, uh, if the NFL is going to value him, where they're going to value him, how much work is going to be done in developing him. He's just super interesting from a like an intellectual exercise perspective as an NFL quarterback prospect. I, I just don't like, I'd rather just let him continue living on in my head as the legend that he is instead of sitting down and evaluating him and just being like, yeah, you can't, can't be trusted, you know? Yeah. And man, there's some stuff. I mean, so a couple of his throws are just beauties, man. Even a couple of the, the touchdown throws. I mean, when he, he hits the guy up the seam over the middle, just laying it right beyond that second linebacker level, right beyond where that safety is as well. Just putting it right on the money, leading his receiver into open space, letting him score that touchdown. That was beautiful. I mean, him throwing the fade route of the guy going up this the sideline because he knew he had him beat. Uh, I mean, like some of those throws are just beautiful. But, man, we talked about this with Felipe Franks and not comparing the two necessarily. But, like, you've got to be able to do the little stuff, right? You've got to be able to hit the shorter passes, see where things are pre-snap, know the easy route to go to it, keep offensive drives running. And in the current system that he's in, I mean, I, I've, I've seen Cole McDonald read the field and go through progressions. It's not like I don't think he can, he, like he can't do it. But they just, it, it's kind of clear that they just tell him, yeah, just throw it. Just throw the ball. Because I don't think they tell him. I think they tell him like, hey, if, the safety's here. Don't do this. And Cole's like, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no doubt, no doubt. I got you. I got you, you think? Got you. Okay, then oh, that's. Absolutely. I mean, that's a problem then because I, I I watch him do the offense and he looks so confident. Like, okay, here's the here's the route. I'm going green light, and it's just tight coverage that he tries to fade it into. But oh man, yeah. If if they're telling him not to do it and he's still doing it, that's not great. Right. Maybe I'm just I hoping a, it's the other way around. I think I have a, a tweet. I can't. I can't find it right now. But I'm pretty sure I have a tweet where, like, I've never seen a, a, a quarterback who, like, Cole McDonald has never seen a, a throw where he, he can't just say, eh, F it, and, like, go for it. Like, he's never seen a throw where he hasn't been willing to be like, ah, screw it, I'll have another down, and just chuck it, you know what I mean? Like, just the nonchalance, like, the, 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 you know, balls with which he plays the position, it's just... It's admirable. It's enjoyable. Once I put my scout hat on, I don't like it. But as a fan and as a watcher, I mean, it's it's oh, it's an experience. Like it, Hawaii is much watched television in large part because McDonald is just a thrill ride. What'd you think of Tate and um, JD Taylor? It would be nice if Kevin Sumlin would like acknowledge that Khalil Tate is one of the best running quarterbacks in the country. Dude, he had a hundred. Cool. He had hundred yards. Yeah, it took them till the third series. Yeah, let's, let's Kevin forget, Sumlin. And let's not forget. Oh no, I, and that's the thing is like I was a fan of the Kevin Sumlin hire because I thought he was gonna like know what Khalil Tate is. But obviously, it's early in twenty nineteen. I get that. But it took them to the third series to run an option to run like read option in the backfield. This should be your, it should be your first play of every drive with JJ Taylor with Khalil Tate on the team without a doubt. It should be your 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 first play on every drive. There's no reason to have Khalil Tate be a passer first. It just doesn't make any sense. Like, from an, from an NFL draft perspective, sure, I like it. Give as many reps as possible. I'll be able to see all of his throws. It's nice. But from a Arizona trying to win football game, stop it. There's no reason for this. This is nonsense. You know what I mean? Like, like Louisville didn't have Lamar Jackson as a passer first. He was a first-round passer. But, like, yeah. that was not primarily what he was doing. 
So they need to build out a better quarterback running game for him, and that'll help open things up. It's clear that Tate's more healthy, but Tate remains having the same issues throwing that he's always done, which is that he has that that compact whip motion, but it means his lower body just totally falls asleep a lot of the time. He significantly overstrides when he's trying to attempt down the field. I do not think his field vision is good when he's – uh, when he's working through progressions in the pocket. I think that he's only got a good ability to, to manipulate defenders when he's on the run and when he's kind of letting things flow that way. So he just remains a – if he's an NFL-caliber passer, he remains the bottom echelon, the bottom tier of NFL-caliber passers. Mm-hmm. And then as, as a runner, he remains underutilized and under under-maximized. And so much of what he does as a runner is off of scrambles because he's not a super comfortable passer yet. So I don't think he's being put in a good position to succeed uh, via Sumlin, yeah. I don't think that he's got a good profile to succeed in the NFL as well. Yeah, the Sumlin connection's a little weird. It just it just seems like there there's going to be a little bit of a contrast there, and I wonder which one bends and breaks first. Hopefully, it's Sumlin adjusting a little bit to what can, Tate can do a little bit better. Because you're right, they didn't really turn to it until the end of the game, and you, you it's like okay, well, if you open things up like this, give him a little freedom early on, a little design early on, right? Maybe you won't be down so many points, but. You know, Hawaii. Yeah. Hawaii opening week is turning out to be um, like, like what it used to be to play Appalachian State. Just don't play Hawaii in week zero. Well, don't yeah, don't remind me because I put money on Arizona because I thought you know like the whole like having better athletes and a better quarterback and a better coach was going to matter, but turns out it doesn't. I mean, this what was thing, the line? What was the line in this game? It was minus eleven Arizona, and they obviously lost outright, which is obnoxious. Now it's worth noting oh, to end up plus four in the turnover differential and lose is like historical. So I don't know what in the name of God Arizona is doing, but it's very sad how this program has, as I thought like the summer hire was going to be really good for them. And it just clearly has not been the case. Um, other quick hitters, uh, Arizona for Jace Whitaker coming back from injury. They're nickelback, not a strong uh, showing. Obviously I think he really struggled with the match guys and man on man, but he was too aggressive closing downhill. Um, JJ Taylor, remains a fun running back to watch he's not going to be a top running back in the class because he doesn't have long speed he doesn't have great size great power but in terms of his elusiveness his returning ability is exciting as well he's more involved to, in the passing game too which is nice if you had to pick a guy right now for an nfl team would you rather have reggie corbin or jd taylor probably reggie corbin okay my um, man. It, it's not my man it, they're, they're not far off from each other okay yeah um so those are you know, some of the other significant players from that uh game as well arizona linebacker colin Sh- Schuler, Schoeller, I don't really know. It's S-C-H-O-O-L-E-R. So, Schoeller. Schoeller. Yeah, he continues to get a ton of the hype. I think Tony Fields, the guy who runs next to him, the will is better. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're both in the same class. That's just my opinion. They're both juniors. So interesting to watch, see if they declare early. Um, yeah, those are the majority of the guys. Cedric Bird is fun. But we he is fun. Last year. He we is fun. Last year. He, yeah. His final stat line, by the way, for everybody who didn't catch it, 14 receptions. This is the Hawaii wide good. receiver. 14, 14 receptions. Yep. 224 yards. Could be good. Four touchdowns. All right. It might be all right. Also, we would be remiss as a Thick Boy podcast if we did not mention that Dayton, Dayton Furuta, five carries, 42 yards, 8.4 yard per carry average, one touchdown, brother. And a whole lot of thickness left on the field. That's what matters. Ben, is, uh, is lamb still the best meat? No, it's not. The second you asked that, I like kind of like like taste in my mouth, you know, and I was like, oh no, it isn't. It's not anymore. It's gone. Yeah, 
Yeah. Long mistake. Hate to see it. Hate to see it. The NFL preseason is coming to a close. Ben and I are going to go over God. the storylines that we're going to see that we got from the preseason, things that we may have learned over the last month, some roster cut bubble guys that are here and there, things that might define certain teams and define the upcoming season. We're going to get to that later in the week. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft.